November 12th, is that it? 13th. All right. I'll be there. Well, good to see you guys this morning. You guys ready to have some fun? Before we jump into everything, I just want to remind you, next Sunday is our Normandy Offering Sunday. So if you don't know what the Normandy Project is, it's a project to help girls uh, coming out of human trafficking. We purchased a building downtown. We're refinishing it. It came out of a vision, a whole bunch of prophetic activity around it. And we are on home stretch, and so we need about 1.8 million, and we've already uh, have about 1.5 million. So I got about three. What God wants you to do, and we're just looking for 100% participation. Participation meaning we're praying and asking God, and we're doing what He tells us to do. And so, before we before we get that, I just want to. <clears throat> how many of you ever heard this saying? Money can't buy happiness. How many of you guys have ever heard that? Money can't buy happiness. People who say money can't buy happiness, they simply haven't given enough of it away. People who say money can't buy happiness, they just simply haven't given enough of away. I watched it buy happiness over and over again. I remember there was a girl named Latisse. Uh, she was eight months pregnant. The only things that she owned were the clothes in her back and her cell phone. And uh, she was in human trafficking, selling her body for things. And um, I remember when she got saved and, our, and our, our people began working with her. You know what? It takes money to rent an apartment. It takes money to rent the truck. That, uh, and get the um, furniture donated and get the baby clothes and to get the fridge filled and the diapers. And how many of you guys know she was pretty happy when all that happened? As she got saved and she got water baptized and God began to make her whole again. So we're talking about the Normandy Project. We're not talking about bricks and mortars. We're talking about stories. We're talking about people who are going to be the ones who Isaiah 61 says that when the captives are set free, it says they became the ones who were the rebuilders of the city. So I think one of, the, one of those hidden keys of transformation are the people that were the down and outers. Once God gets a hold of them, they become the ones who actually transform the city. So that's what we're talking about here. And so, yeah, so you, you can give any time. And uh, no gift's too small. And guess what? No gift's too big. So we'll, uh, it, it takes money to, get, uh, to help all those girls. And so uh, 100% of, the, uh, of everything is gone. It goes right into the ministry. There's been no administrative costs. Everything is done volunteer at this point. And so uh, we're stewarding it well. And so next Sunday is our Sunday to kind of bring your offering or bring your pledges and say, hey, this is what we're believing God for. So we can kind of have an amount for our contractors because they need to finish things up. And so uh, we're hoping to finish by this year. Sound good? All right. All three of you. That sounds great. (laughs) Others of you, I'm sure you're just seeking God. So that's good. That's good. All right. Here we go. Well, I was listening to a sermon one time, and um, there, was, uh, there was a woman who had a minister's wife who was legally blind. And they had a healing team, kind of, uh, kind of a healing service in their church. And the, um, the, uh, the pastor's wife, who was legally blind, she had big, thick Coke bottle glasses. She had been prayed for so many times, she did not want to get prayed for one more time because she had been disappointed so many times. Anyone can relate to that, right? Or maybe you're sitting next to someone who can relate to that. It's like, listen, you don't even want to like, get your hopes up again because, you know, what if it, what if it doesn't happen? And so she's kind of hiding in the back of the church, and the healing minister uh, corners her the last night of the healing service and says, listen, I want to pray for you. She's like, fine, I'll let you pray for me. And so, he's, uh, <clears throat> so he lays his hands on her. He says, close your eyes. He lays his hands on her, and he prays for her, and he says, can you see? And she begins to open her eyes, and he says, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. She's thinking, well, well how am I supposed to tell if I can see if I can't open my eyes, right? So she closes her eyes, and he prays for her again, and he says, can you see? And she begins to open her eyes. I didn't tell you to open your eyes. Now she's kind of confused, like, how, how is this supposed to work here? And so closes her eyes again, and uh, the guy prays for a third time. And uh, she begins to open her eyes. I didn't tell you to open your eyes. You need to see yourself seeing on the inside before you can see yourself seeing on the outside. So she gets it, and so she keeps her eyes closed. And she prays in tongues for a little while, and she says, I can see myself seeing. And says, okay, now open your eyes. She opens her eyes, and she can see perfectly. 
Listen. One of the biggest problems people have to receiving healing is they have an image on the inside. They see themselves sick. They think sick. They talk sick. And then they go for pray for healing and they wonder why it's not working. How are we doing? You can hear in the way people talk. They actually make their sickness their identity. This is my cancer, my diabetes, my, my sickness, my, my disease. Listen, guys, getting sickness in your body is one thing. But when it gets on the inside of you, when it gets into your heart, when it gets into your vocabulary, when you begin to see yourself, this is who I am. I'm this cancer patient. I am this and that. Um, then it's really hard to get people healed. So today, we're gonna, uh, you're going to have keys to change that. You're going to learn the power of a godly imagination and unlock your ability to receive from God. So we're in a series called Healing is God's Idea. So we're going to start off with some declarations. You guys ready? Healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. Man, what if this was way easier than we thought? A whole lot less striving and trying to be worthy and cleaning up our act and just coming to Jesus expecting him to help. That's actually New Covenant faith. So uh, what I'm teaching on today, I'm just going to admit, it's straight out of the Andrew Womack playbook. And so I learned this from him. I think he might even taught most of this a few months ago here, but I've been meditating on it, and this is kind of where the Lord has me right now, and so you guys are going to get in on that. So Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you have a self-fulfilling prophecy on the inside as a believer. When you see yourself a certain way, guys, and this isn't just limited to healing. If you see yourself sick, if you see yourself poor, if you see yourself a victim, if you see yourself powerless over the enemy, you can hear when people, oh, the devil is chasing me, and I just don't know what to do. Well, you've already partnered with the devil because you've seen yourself as powerless. Listen, the devil can't do anything in your life without your cooperation. Like, well, Jim, I just don't believe that. You just can't avoid some of this stuff. Some of this stuff just happens. Well, um, you've already uh, told me that you're a victim by that, and you're already cooperating with the devil in your mind. And when you begin to get an image of that on the inside, it manifests on the outside. Let's just use an example. Um, here we are in August, and so a couple months from now, it's going to be flu season. We have been taught that it's flu season, and it's just normal. It's just... Not you guys, other people. It's just what you do. It's just, you just get sick. You get normal. You got to get sick a few times a year. It's just, it's just kind of normal to do that. It's time to get your flu shot, right? <laughs> All right, I'm speaking to the right crowd, but there's people on the internet. And we've been taught this, and we got this image on the inside. You guys started getting the sniffles right around you know, Thanksgiving, you know, after having a sugar coma where you get your blood gravy level about to about 0.2 on Thanksgiving, right? We got this self-fulfilling prophecy. Someone turns 40 years old. Oh, here they are. They're over the hill. Let's get them the black balloons. Let's get them some preparation H. There's a box of depends. You're going to need this. Can we just stop for a moment on the whole depends thing? Is there a worse marketing campaign in the world than to call something, it depends? Like if I'm in danger of having a bladder accident in front of a group of people, I want something that inspires a little more confidence than, it depends. Like what other names didn't make it? What were the worst names in that? Like leaky sieve, like, like what was that? Like paper thin. I want something that inspires a little more confidence. Maybe something called like postal pants. Neither rain, nor sleet, nor snow. <laughs> Nuclear proof. I wouldn't even mind a little sticker that says used by Navy SEALs, right? 
But we've been taught when you get a little bit older, you should just expect this. Everybody's got aches and pains. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And right, your imagination, it acts like a lid, right? Once you start going beyond that lid where you see yourself, where you see yourself, you begin restricting yourself. You prosper as your soul, you prosper and are in health as your soul prospers. What's your soul? Your mind, will, and your emotions. And when you get past your mind, will, and your emotions, your outside is going to shrink down to your inside. Because as you think in your heart, so are you. How are we doing? Guys, your imagination is powerful. I think a lot of people think of imagination. They think of Disney and Magic Kingdom and talking animals and flying elephants. And that's imagination. Or, or it's vain imagination. Or it's wild imagination. Here's the definition of imagination in the dictionary. It's your ability to picture something in your mind or in your heart that you can't see with your eyes. Right? So if I were to say um, dog, everyone's picturing a dog right now. If I were to say big dog, some of you are going to have to change your picture. Big black dog, now you can picture that. Big black angry dog. Like you guys can see these different things. You're able to picture something in your mind that you can't see. That's your imagination. Everybody has one. Your godly imagination is the ability to see what God sees. And when you see what he sees and you part in your faith to it, that brings the miracle into manifestation. Here's the deal. Your imagination is like a spiritual womb. Okay, this is going to be good. Your imagination is like a spiritual womb. Isaiah 26.3. You guys doing all right? Yeah. Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. That word there that's translated mind, it's the same word that's translated imagination, and it's the same word that means conception. Your mind is your spiritual womb. And here's the thing. Um, uh, just like a woman cannot give birth without conceiving in her womb, she can't do it on her own. She needs some seed. You cannot give birth to the plans and purposes of God without first conceiving it in your imagination. I don't think I need to explain this, right? But a woman cannot conceive a child on her own. Okay? There is no stork. You can't get pregnant by drinking the water. Oh, I don't want to drink the same water that they're drinking. That ain't how it happens. Or by standing close to somebody. Okay? It's not contagious. Just like miracles, you can't just... Get them by standing close to someone. And just, man, I'm just, just kind of around this stuff. It just kind of jumped on me. I'm thinking all this fear, doubt, and unbelief, and all of a sudden, all these amazing things started happening in my life. I don't know what's happening. The church I grew up on now, there was a pastor on staff, and his wife was like getting pregnant like crazy. And he would stand up and he'd say, listen, my wife is so fertile, I just had to breathe on her and she got pregnant. Like, that's just not how it happens, though, right? It's, it's a funny thing, but we know a woman gets pregnant by being intimate with, some, with a man, not by dancing too close like they taught us at our Christian school, right? And so, <laughs> a seed must be planted, all right? And that's the same as true for any believer who wants to receive something from God. You must become intimate with the Word of God, okay? A lot of people have bought some seed or, you know, had some seeds sitting there, but they haven't planted in there and had to become intimate with them. 1 Peter 1.23 since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. What's that saying? God's word is seed. Interestingly enough, the Greek word there is sperma. I'm not going to go any farther than that, but you see, it is a seed that can conceive when it's put in the womb of your imagination. Is anybody getting this? For that seed to work, it must be planted. I'm just going to say this. Don't dig up and doubt what you planted in faith. Don't dig up and down. Man, once that thing's planted in there, I'm going to teach you how to remain in that word. This is why a lot of believers, they pray for healing and they pray for prosperity, but they don't receive it. They're like, I'm believing it's true. I believe God wants me to prosper. I believe God wants me well. And uh, they begin to dig it up and doubt. 
And so it's like, listen, guys, the demons believe in God and tremble. The demons believe in healing, but it's not changing their life. It's not enough to believe the facts about it. And by his stripes, we are healed. And God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And we chant these things. But if we haven't allowed it to become intimate and paint a picture on the inside where we see ourselves as healed, we see ourselves as prospering. I remember um, I had a, um, a dinner with someone one time, and they, had, they were a mentor of mine, a hero of mine, and they had just led someone to the Lord. I might have told this story recently. They just led someone to the Lord in the parking lot, and this person was a drug addict. And so um, we, we were eating dinner with them. I said, what's going to be the difference between that person walking free and going back into drugs? He said, it's real simple. They're going to have to get a picture of themselves on the inside of themselves as a different person. What's the Bible say? You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. As they begin to get a picture of the, so you can hear those truths. Old things are passed away. Oh, yeah, amen, yeah, praise God. But until those get a picture of that painted on the inside, that person won't walk free. But if they were to take that and put it in their imagination, allow that seed to germinate, to produce fruit, they would be completely free. God's word has power if you allow the power to germinate down on the inside of you. How are we doing? Like that minister's wife in that story I told in the beginning. If more of us understood this concept, we'd get different results. But instead, what happens to a lot of believers is they pray, and immediately they open their eyes, or they check their bank accounts to see if anything's changed, and they feel their bodies to see if something happened. Miracles don't come from the outside. They come from the inside. Miracles don't come from the outside. They start on the inside, and they manifest on the outside. What's the Bible say? Believe and then receive. Is this thing popping? Are we right here? All right. Believe and then receive. A lot of Christians are trying to do it backwards. They're waiting to feel better. They're waiting for the pain to leave. They're waiting for the paralysis to wear off. They're waiting for the tumor to shrink. And then they'll believe God did something. Until they see it with their eyes, they don't believe anything's actually happened. It's believe and receive and doubt and do without. So if you're checking your body to see if God healed you, then you're doing it backwards. I'm not saying fake it till you make it. And I'm healed even though I'm not really healed. But I'm believing, you know, I'm not talking about these gymnastics. I'm talking about when we see that God is our healer, receive him as healer before we ever, before we allow him to paint that on the inside, we believe it. It conceives in our imagination. We see ourselves healed. We do that before we see any relief. When we see that, then all the relief comes. There's so many Christians that are checking their body. I don't even know how many people we pray for and, um, hey, check out your body. Oh, it still hurts. They're looking for the pain rather than looking for the glory. Oh, man, my pain actually just was like a level 10. Now it's a level 5. And so we try to teach people, hey, you know, where's your pain? What's that, like a level 10? Let's pray. Well, hey, it's at a level 5. What are we doing? We're trying to get them like Elijah. Remember, he saw, he's praying. There's a drought, and he's praying for rain. And he sees a cloud the size of a man's fist. He says, we've got it. And he goes and runs. He didn't have to see the whole thing. You cannot pray for healing while planning your funeral. But Jim, it's just wisdom to do that. No, it's just unbelief. It's double-mindedness. And the double, I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm just quoting scripture at you. The double-minded man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's unstable in all his ways. You have to use your imagination to see the word of God work in your life. Don't wait for a physical manifestation to verify that God's promises are true. I know it didn't work for me. Oh, it just said, uh, no, 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 no. It will work for you. Allow it to paint it on the inside and begin to look for improvement rather than looking for failure. 
See yourself walking without pain. See yourself sleeping through the night. See yourself living and not dying. See yourself eating something that you couldn't eat before. See yourself moving in a way that you're more free. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Actually, I didn't put the next part of the verse, but it talks about how you'll be fruitful in every season. You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water and bearing your fruit in a season. Who is this blessed person? No matter what's going on in their life, there's fruit. What is this person doing? They're meditating. Okay? Now, let's look at uh, that's Psalm, that's Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. Let's look at Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Something interesting. The word meditate in Psalm chapter 1 and the word uh, imagine in Psalm chapter 2 it's the same Hebrew word, okay? Meditation is just using your imagination. Guys, you can't meditate without imagining. Meditation is when you read the word. You, you, get, you, can't, you can't meditate on something you don't know. So you read the word. You take in that information, but then you close the book and you allow those words to form a picture on the inside of you. I just told you guys something there. Meditation is when you read those words, but then you close the book and you allow those words to form it, to forget the, the Holy Spirit, to form a picture on the inside of, your, of what those words really mean. I'm not sure if you've ever had that happen, um, but that, that's what it looks like when you're conceiving, when those lights come on, when it's, aha, I've got it, right? How many of you guys know the conceiving of the baby is more fun than the birthing of the baby? Some of you are just getting that one. You close the book and allow, the fun part is conceiving it. It's that aha moment. This is, this is, this is us co-creating with God here. And it begins to affect your imagination. You begin to see it and you say, I've got it. You ever uh, talk to someone who comes back from Israel and they're like, oh, it's so amazing. The Bible's just opened up to me, you know, and it's so anointed over there. I got some good news for you. It's not any more anointed in Israel than it is in Columbus, Ohio. The only thing that happened over there is they began to see things with their eyes that they had only read about and not meditated until God pointed a picture. And so things became more real because they saw with their eyes. God wants you to see with your spiritual eyes. That's why I love the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1. Am I talking too fast? All right. <sighs> Ephesians chapter 1. Paul said he prays this prayer. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. What's he talking about? He's talking about painting a picture on your spiritual imagination. Flood their hearts with light. What? That they might see the hope of their calling. Saying, God, give them a picture on the inside of the things that Jesus already paid for. A picture is worth a thousand words, right? And so you haven't meditated on the, uh, the crossing of the Red Sea until you've heard the thundering of an army behind you. The enemy, the, I mean, the enemy pursuing you, ready to destroy you. And all of a sudden, the, the waters part, and you're walking through on dry land, and you look to your left, and there's a little shark swimming right at you. And you look over here, and there's an electric eel. And you see what I'm saying? You're picturing these things with your mind. God's giving you an imagination of it. You're hearing the thundering. You're feeling the freedom. You're watching the enemy get wiped out, and the rejoicing that happens, and they begin singing the songs, right? David fighting Goliath. I'm not sure if you've ever gone out and measured, like, how, how tall nine feet is. You know, I mean, I, I like those pictures, like, I like people like next to Shaq and stuff like that, but Goliath, you go out and you picture that and you feel the weight of the five smooth stones. And 
Um, uh, meditation is about using your imagination. You can't meditate without your imagination. So I love this illustration Andrew Womack used. This really inspired me, and I'm, I'm in the process of doing this right now. So he's reading John chapter 14, verse 12, where it says that uh, you'll do the works that Jesus did. You'll do the greater works. And Andrew's like, I haven't even done the works that Jesus is doing, so I'm not even going to worry about the greater works. So he's like, God, I'd really like to raise the dead. Jesus raised the dead. So what did he do? He goes and he looks at the eight different examples in the Bible of where people were raised from the dead, starting with Elijah and Elisha, moving on to Jesus. Um, so there's eight instances not counting Jesus being raised from the dead. And when Jesus uh, moved, raised from the dead, remember, had such a resurrection power that uh, many of the Old Testament saints resurrected from the dead and started walking in the streets of Jerusalem. Remember that story? You don't hear about that one a lot, but that's pretty cool. So outside of those two instances, whether it's not like individuals or just Jesus, there was, uh, there's eight instances and so he reads these things, and uh, he wrote them down on a legal pad. So he writes down the verse on a legal pad, gets all the information, begins studying them out. So he's got all the facts. But this is, what, this is where I thought was really powerful. It wasn't enough to just meditate about Elisha raising the dead. He had to see himself as the one raising the dead. This is where it gets powerful, guys, is when the scriptures become alive as if you can do these things. All right? So um, when, uh, you know, Elisha's uh, stretching himself out in the bed on, on, the, on the dead boy, and puts his hands against his hands and his mouth against his mouth and breathes into him and the body became warm and he goes and he comes back in the other room and he raises him up and you begin to see yourself doing that. You actually go out on the bed and you're stretching. You might want to shut the door when you're doing some of these things, okay? But he actually stretched himself out on the bed and began to do that. And he pictured, you know, when Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, he said he shouted with a loud voice and he began to picture himself bold and shouting, Lazarus, come forth! Do you see the power? It's different when you're reading about someone else doing it. But when God begins to paint a picture, and so he said he meditated on these things so much for about six months that he began dreaming every night about raising the dead. He said in his dreams, he was raising about 20 people from the dead every night. You know what happened? Uh, after six months, somebody died, and he was there, and he raised them up. And there was a second person that died, and he raised them up. And then about 12 years, he didn't see anything. And, he's, and he came across John 14, 12 again. He's like, you know what? I need to, I need to meditate on this. So he gets... He said this time he had a computer. So he puts him on his computer. I guess he'd evolved from legal pads. And uh, he puts it in his computer and begins to get the facts on the inside. And he begins to close that thing up and allow God to paint a picture on the inside. Then he begins dreaming about it again. And then his son was killed in a motorcycle accident. He was dead in a morgue, stripped naked, in a, in a, in, on a slab with a blanket over him with a toe tag for five hours. And when his wife and him, they, uh, they just confessed their faith. They spoke out their faith. They didn't consider all the alternatives. God had already painted a picture on the inside of them. And uh, by the time they got there, he was sitting up talking completely normal and working for the ministry today. Yeah. <laughs> Meditation is using your imagination to take the word of God and think about it until it paints a picture on the inside of you of victory, of authority over the devil. Until, uh, you know, until, you know, the devil's coming against you, you begin to think, you know, I'm keeping my mind stayed upon him. What happens? You're conceiving until you give birth to your miracle. You begin to think, um, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Okay, so that's a great verse. But as you begin to picture it and God begins to give you the reality and you see the devil coming against you and you see that you are greater than the devil. Do you guys know you have more authority than the devil on the earth? Do you guys know that a pig has more authority? This is why the demons beg Jesus to let them go into pigs because the only thing that has authority on the, on the earth is someone with a, with a body. Slime crawling along the seabed has more authority than the devil. Jesus, get, remember Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He took it all back. 
The only authority the Amnesty has is your cooperation. We begin to get these things on the inside and just realize he's a little, he's a little urchin behind the curtain in the, what was that, the Yellow Brick Road? What's that goofy movie from years ago? Wizard of Oz. He's, it's this little wizard behind the curtain. He's, he's not this powerful beast. It says he goes about like a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He'd love to devour everybody. He just doesn't have the power to do it unless he can get you to cooperate. But you're a people who's getting a picture painted on the inside. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I can have what I say according to Mark chapter 11. You begin to use your authority to resist the devil and he flees from you. So I'm saying you can even begin to feel a little shift in your spirit right now. You feel your spiritual spine straightening up a little bit more. So you know what? What are you doing? You're getting the truth on the inside. Becoming familiar. Many people can quote scripture, but we need to become the kind of people who can see it. Abraham, he's 99 years old. His wife's 90 years old. God comes to him again, and he says, listen, you're going to have a kid. Now, God had promised him 26 years earlier that they would have a child. Now, I, yeah, let's just keep going. And she was past the childbearing age back then. They weren't special back then. They weren't like 90-year-olds. They weren't like, 90 is the new 20. No, 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 90 was 90 back then. It says she was past childbearing age. And here's what Romans chapter 4, verse 18, speaking of Abraham, said this. In hope, he believed against hope. Hope is a positive biblical imagination. Hope is imagining your future with God. This is, this is the New Testament term for a positive imagination is hope. In hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. This was God's promise to him back in Genesis. He had five words, so shall your offspring be. And he hung on to those five words for, uh, for 26 years. You're like, how on earth could he hang on to those words? It's interesting. God painted a picture for him. He says, listen, if you look at the sands of the seashore, your descendants are going to outnumber the sand. If you look at the stars in the sky, your descendants are going to outnumber the sky. Now, listen, I've got shoes on, closed-toed shoes, but back then they had sandals. And they were walking on dirt. And every night when he comes and he brushes the sand off of his feet, he begins to look at those grains of sand. And he begins to remember the promises of God. So shall your offspring be. And they didn't have Netflix. They would go out at night and they would look in the stars of the sky and they would see these countless limitless stars. And he would begin to remember, so shall your offspring be. What did he do? He had a picture. And he meditated on that picture for 26 years. God comes to him again and says, it is time. Romans 4.19, this is a continuation of this. And not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Is that painting a picture there for you? Okay. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. What does consider mean? To study, to deliberate, to examine, to meditate. What's this mean? Abraham never thought about his body being dead. He thought about as the sands of the seashore, as the stars in the sky, so shall your offspring be. I know the, um, I know there's women that are not in here hoping to have a, a child at age 90. Like, I know nobody's like, like yes, Jim, that's my promise. Like, I'm hoping for that. But I want to ask you, if God told you, and if you wanted another child at 90 years old, and if God came to you and said that you're going to have a child, what would most of us do? Most of us would Google it. What's the oldest person who's ever had a child? Right? And now maybe go to the doctor and have yourself checked out or have your wife checked out. Is it possible to still have a child? Right? And what do they do? You accumulate all of this unbelief and then you go, God, are you sure about this? And God says, yes. And you say, but God, it's so hard. Why is it so hard? Because you've been meditating on all the unbelief 
and not so shall your offspring be. Some of you get dry skin in your hands and you Google it and you're like, am I disintegrating? That's what's happening to me? I thought it was better than that, but yeah. Abraham didn't go and research all the things that could be wrong, all the natural remedies, all this and that. I'm not, I'm not against um, natural remedies and, and doing things with wisdom. What I'm against is uh, making God number two. Abraham never considered his own body now dead. Listen, I'm sure he had knowledge of it. He was 100 years old. He knew how things worked. But God gave Abraham a picture, and he considered it for 26 years and gave birth to a miracle. And his wife was past childbearing age. I'm sure that they had facts about that. I'm sure she was postmenopausal. I'm sure that they knew she couldn't have babies anymore, but he wasn't considering it. He wasn't studying it. He wasn't pondering it. He wasn't examining it. Listen, if we could transport, if we had some magical time machine, we could transport Abraham from his life into your life and perhaps my life. And Abraham began to have the thoughts that I'm thinking and the thoughts that you're thinking. Guess what? They would have never conceived that baby. If Abraham's thinking your thoughts, I mean, people are paying hundreds of dollars just to stream in fear, doubt, unbelief, 24-7 news into their phone, into their television, adultery, unbelief, mocking God, and they wonder, like, why, is, why am I not filled with faith? What do you, what do you, you have a different kind of seed that's coming in that you're conceiving. I'll tell you this, though. If we could take your life and transfer it over to Abraham back then, and you were to have his thoughts, you would conceive the same miracle that he would. How are we doing? But what do most people do? If a doctor tells them they got a bad report. Doctor says, you're going to die. We go and look up on Google. How long do I have to live? Has anybody ever beat this? And we study all these things and ponder all these things. And we wonder, why is it so hard to believe? I got some good news for you. God's got a better way. God's better way. And what that is, it's uh, using our godly imagination with meditation. So I bought you guys a gift. You guys ready for this? So let me tell you the story. I'm going to tell you. I'll get you the gift here. So we've had Roger Sapp here years ago. I think he's one of the, the finest teachers on uh, healing. And so Roger, boy, I think it was about 12 or 13 years ago, he got diagnosed with prostate cancer. And so when he, uh, when he got diagnosed with cancer, he immediately said, I'm going, to, I'm going to meditate on the word of God. I'm going to put my focus on Christ. You know, we see things like behold him, fix your eyes on Jesus. You're going to, that's, that's what we're talking about, focusing on Christ like he paints a picture on the inside. So Roger had already come up with these healing cards. It's a normal deck of cards, ace of spades, the four suits, the 13 different, you know, he, it's, a, it's, a, it's a normal deck of cards, but on each card, it's got a healing scripture and something to meditate on. So he took it and he said this two or three times each morning, he would just go through and he'd meditate and he would, he would picture himself in these things and picture the truth of it and allow, allow God to paint a picture on the inside of him. He got prayer on one or two times um, publicly and he said on one of the times he actually began to feel a manifestation and after 30 days, he went back to the doctor and they couldn't find cancer in his body anymore. Because I promise you, there's nothing, ma- I bought you each a deck of cards. Are you okay there? I promise you there's nothing magic about the deck of cards, but there is something powerful about using your godly imagination to fix your eyes on Jesus, to fix your eyes on these truths, and to let God paint a picture on the inside of you so you can have what you see. So the promises of God become real. He said there's been two times where his body was attacked. He had all, he had all the symptoms, all the pain came back, and what did he do? He went back, fixed his eyes on Jesus meditated on these things, and it completely went away. And so every year on the anniversary of his diagnosis, he posts on Facebook, cancer-free. Goes back to the doctor, cancer-free, cancer-free. Isn't that good news? 
So um, yeah, here's a deck of cards. I've got enough for one for each person who wants one. And so here's one. This is the uh, Jack of Diamonds. Uh, here's the scripture. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6.10. And it says, there's no sickness in heaven, therefore there should be no sickness in me on earth. That's not bad. You begin to think about that. The goal isn't to go through the cards. The goal is to fix your eyes. So if you find one that has some juice on it, take it. Keep it in your wallet. Boy, you flip it over, there's a bonus scripture on the other side. Two scriptures per card. I'm just picturing people like shuffling the deck and passing to each other and getting blessed, right? And it's just good. So here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you guys to, uh, to use this tool to begin to see scriptures, to begin to see those scriptures, to meditate on them. So I'm thinking about continuing this series and going through the individual healing miracles of Jesus and giving you all the facts, painting the picture on the inside, and then challenging us, what if we take that story that we've just heard and had painted it for us and begin to meditate on it week by week and we went to another story? Now, what do you think would happen? Do you think anything good would happen? Some of you should let your face know if you're excited about this. Yeah. That's what some of you look like. So how are we, oh, we got, we got the cards up here. So we're going to have you come up and get cards in just a second. Thank you, Tori. Boy, you'd make a great daughter-in-law, I tell you what. Just unbelievable. Trying to upgrade. She is. So... You guys probably figured out she's marrying my son in November. Super excited about that. And we're, yes, yes. And we're super excited about our other daughter-in-law, Kirsten. Very excited about her too. Yes, 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 yes. So next month, June, all three boys live with us. August, none of them will be living with us. We don't even know what's happening in our life right now. So yes, yeah. So guys, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm coming to take, and I'm just, um, I think we've got about 200 here. And so, just take one for each person who's going to use it. So don't like, like, hey, I got it. You know, take like stacks for your neighbors and stuff like that. Hey, your neighbors weren't here. They don't get one, all right? And so, but just take it. And if you're listening online, you want one, allnationsmen.org. That's Roger Sapp's website. That's where I order these from. Allnationsmen, M-I-N, short for ministry.org. And uh, you can get your own. And uh, the only limitation, I would say, for this working for you, taking the word of God, putting, I mean, it'll have limited effect if you're not born again. But if you, um, the, uh, the, for it to really work for you, you need to be saved, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay? And so, um, and so if you're here today and you're like, Jim, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm intrigued by Jesus and you're like, I, I, wanna, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna trust Jesus. I wanna become a follower of him. I wanna learn from him how to be like him. I don't just believe facts about him 2,000 years ago, but I believe he is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the one that I've been looking for. If you're here today and you're like, Jim, I don't have that, but I want to do that. You want to get saved. Then uh, I'm just going to ask you to do something bold. Just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Is there anybody in here? Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Is there anyone here? No scratching your noses because I'm going to think it's a hand raise. But is there anyone here? You're bold enough to say, listen, I, I need this. Is there anybody in here? All right. Well, then if, uh, if you're born again and uh, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, we'll preach on that another time. Our teams will help you. But you need to speak in tongues. Tongues is kind of like the gateway to the supernatural. This is the beginning. Jesus is like, listen, you've got to the apostles, the disciples. He's like, you've got the greatest message in the world, the greatest miracle that's ever been seen, but I don't want you to tell anybody about it until you've received power. Okay? And so you need to receive that power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be able to speak in tongues. And so do I have to speak in tongues? No, you get to. It's inevitable. Don't worry. You will. And so 
And so it'll be great. And so I'm going to invite you to stand for closing prayer. But again, guys, next week is our Normandy offering. And so I'm just encouraging you, get in on this. And so, again, it's not bricks and mortars. It's stories. And uh, I, I forgot to tell there's different tiers of giving. I forget if you give a certain amount of money. You get to name a room after your family. Put legacy on it. We've got bricks you can name yourself after and all that stuff like that. So fun stuff. Jesus, you are the best. You are awesome. And I thank you for that you've already said yes to healing. That healing is your idea. That you bore our sickness, carried our pain. By your stripes, we are healed. And Lord, I just thank you that you have shown us in scriptures how we can give birth to that miracle, how we can conceive it with the word of God, allow that picture to be painted on the inside. So Lord, I pray for a grace this week. Uh, people will take these cards, they will take scriptures that you've spoken to them uh, about their business, about their physical healing, about their marriage, about their kids, about their destiny. Guys, if God's given you a picture of your destiny, meditate on that, okay? Lord, we just thank you. And Lord, I just thank you that there's, there's a shift in our church today. There's a shift in this region. Lord, I thank you for that glass ceiling that's breaking. And everybody gets to get in on it. It's not a limited time offer. So Lord, I just thank you what you're doing. Hey, guys, as we're closing out here, I had a, I had a vision um, with my eyes open during worship. And I saw someone wheeling down in a wheelchair right in here and during worship. And they got out of the wheelchair and just this joy just broke out in the church. And I began to uh, see it have ripple effects in our city. And guys, God is, you know, Aslan is on the move for you, uh, for you, those of you who understand that. Like, God is on the move. He, he, he's doing good things. And uh, when you understand the gospel, the only thing that makes sense is all in. The only thing that makes sense is I am all in. I'm not talking about, like, working harder from Jesus. I'm just talking about it is so worth it. Anything that you sacrifice for him, it's not really a sacrifice. It's just wisdom to get everything that he paid for. Uh, you're not bribing him with your good behavior, but um, it's wisdom to renew your mind, to take these cards, to focus on Jesus, so that that spirit of wisdom and revelation can paint a picture of you on the inside. All right, I bless you guys. Act like Christians in the parking lot. Bless your children's workers. What? My wife and I, if you're new here, we'd love to meet you.